0: For the administrative end of government to flourish, agencies will need to find ways to collaborate much more deeply than they do now. And they'll have to engage the public more deeply and consistently than they do now. Those are two of the findings from research into the future of government. It was conducted by Ernst & Young and the Partnership for Public Service. Here with more on the findings just out today, the Partnership's Vice President for Government Effectiveness, Katie Malleg. Ms. Malague, good to have you on. Hi, Tom. Great to be with you. Tell us the genesis of this research. What was it you were trying to find out here?
1: Well, the public is now used to simple, efficient, and on-demand service from the private sector and increasingly demands the same level of service and convenience and timely response from government. So we wanted to look ahead five or ten years and assess how the federal government might change and what they may need to do to meet these increasing demands.
0: Because that whole idea of response from the government that matches the private sector... Well, two facts about it. One, it goes back 30 years, and two, it's a moving target because the private sector is always getting better at it. So how did you fit that? That's right. Fit that all in?
1: Well, technology is becoming faster and smarter, so it's boosting the potential for government to improve its internal operations and also to respond better to the needs of the public.
0: For government to keep up, then what does it have to do in the next few years?
1: We looked at three areas in the president's management agenda. Information technology, the makeup and management of the federal workforce, and how the government uses data. And our report explores what the future of government should look like in each of these areas and what it'll take to get there.
0: And how did you go about the research? What was the methodology here?
1: Well, through a workshop and interviews with nearly two dozen agency leaders and subject matter specialists, we learned that government of the future to thrive, agencies must develop a more robust and broad-based connection.
0: And when you spoke to these leaders, were they the IT people or were they the program owners or who were they? In in general,
1: it was a broad a broad range of folks. We spoke with former uh, leaders from NASA and the IRS. We spoke with individuals involved in the U.S. Commission for Evidence Based Policymaking and NGO leaders who work closely with the federal government.
0: And one of the findings is that the government will need to collaborate agency to agency much more than it does relative to the amount of collaboration that goes on within agencies or within bureaus under a department. Is that a fair way to put it?
1: Yes. In fact, we think that the collaboration will be multifold. They need to collaborate better internally within agencies, more closely with one another across agencies, the way they engage with the public, and also interacting with stakeholders outside of government.
0: Because if they're going to use data in a more comprehensive way, and that's one of the areas that's in the President's management agenda. And I think pretty much everyone knows that because that's the way industry is going. Often agencies need data from other agencies. So the collaboration has to take place, it seems to me, at the network technology level, but also at the people level before you can have that lower level connection. Fair
1: It is. And if we have that data across agencies, we could have groundbreaking new insights just by virtue of having a more comprehensive data set.
0: So this is where all of these chief data officers and so forth come into play, I guess.
1: There are a number of players involved across management functions and program areas across the federal government.
0: Any good examples you came across in the course of the research that demonstrate this?
1: We have some great examples, and I'd say the benefits of doing this are numerous. Success could lead to groundbreaking new insights from data while using cutting-edge technologies to protect privacy. We could creatively employ data and technology to revolutionize service delivery and proactively alert people about benefits they may not be aware of or that they're eligible for. And some examples could just be simple tasks like, analyzing federal data or complicated tasks like resupplying the International Space Station.
0: Because if you look at agencies that people have to deal with, like the IRS, and the Lord knows they've got technology and data issues till the cows come home. But a lot of people say, why do I need to file with the IRS? Because they already know everything about me. They have all the records already. I get a piece of paper, I send back to them something they've already got. It seems there's a great opportunity to greatly enhance that experience of paying taxes for people.
1: Yes. I I think there are uh, advancements in technology and the way we use data that could help our users. Uh, There are some uh, resource constraints that can stand in the way of a better connected government, but some of the biggest barriers are often cultural.
0: Yeah, like another example would be Social Security and the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. One is a big independent agency. One is part of a big department. Both of their programs are totally interrelated, and in some ways you have to go through Social Security to get to CMS. That's another area where some collaboration might lead to more seamless service, you think?
1: Well, and Social Security and the IRS have experimented with combining office space. They did it for efficiency reasons, but you can also imagine how that's much better for the customer.
0: Because when someone signs up, say, for Medicare reaching that age, you have to sign up within six months, you know, either side of your birthday. But the government knows when you were born. (laughs) They know that you're eligible. Mm -hmm. They know whether you're alive or not. So why this? But this seems to be one of the things you're driving at in this report with respect to this collaboration.
1: Indeed. There are so many opportunities that with agencies working more collaboratively across agencies and with their customers that they can leverage technology and data to better serve the American public.
0: We're speaking with Katie Malage. She's vice president for government effectiveness at the Partnership for Public Service. And we've been talking about data and collaboration. What about the state of technology now in the government relative to the private sector? That always seems to be something where the government is a step behind.
1: It's true. And I think reputationally, that's what others would say about the government. I think to thrive in an ever-changing environment and excel at meeting the public's needs, the government will have to better use technology. So there's a little bit of catching up and getting ahead, but they'll need to start preparing now to be ready for future needs in government.
0: And like industry, the government has to buy stuff in anticipation of new initiatives. And one of the people you interviewed pretty appropriately is the chief procurement officer at DHS, Soraya Correa, and she has this procurement innovation lab. Tell us more about what went on there that can inform this whole modernizing effort.
1: So the Department of Homeland Security created the procurement innovation lab uh, as an initiative that aims to improve how procurement is done at DHS. And as you've mentioned, procurement is often known as a long process, and they were able to identify efficiencies where they could accelerate the process and more rapidly bring needed technology and other resources to employees so that they could better serve their customers.
0: And if you would, talk about the, there's a chapter really on addressing aversion to risk, fear of failure, often in the forums and the conferences, federal leaders say, well, we've got to let people fail and so forth. But when the rubber hits the road, nobody is really willing to do that. Do you see that happening? And must it happen for the government to keep advancing to this this golden future you see ahead?
1: Cultural obstacles like resistance to change, risk aversion, fear of failure, a compliance orientation are all the elements that hold us back from being more innovative and getting ready for the future of government. And to keep this moving and to have a more connected government in the future, we'll need to break down silos, lower the resistance to change, and address the aversion to risk and the fear of failure. And that will take leadership support so that it's a safer space to experiment and try new things.
0: And also the foundations for evidence-based policymaking, that became law just last year. I think a lot of agencies are saying, well, now what? And that the idea of evidence-based policymaking seems to call on all of these themes that are in your report, that is data, leadership, collaboration, Do you think that's going to be a major driver toward better government service in the future?
1: I do hope that will help us better use data, particularly across agencies, so that we can have better insights to better serve our customers.
0: Now, you've been in and out of government a couple of times, including working at OMB. What's your gut feeling as to what the likelihood of all of this stuff happening is?
1: I think it's promising. I think we're at a tipping point in government and there's a groundswell for change. And so if we have leaders at all levels, including career leaders who can foster a culture of change in their agencies, the prospects are bright for being able to accomplish this success in the future.
0: Katie Malleg is Vice President for Government Effectiveness at the Partnership for Public Service. Thanks so much for joining me.
1: Thank you, Tom. Great to be with you.
0: We'll post this interview along with a link to the report at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or
1: Podcast One. A financial plan isn't just about money. It's about what matters most to you, like protecting your family, supporting your community, and building a legacy for future generations. At Northwestern Mutual, we start with a conversation about the life you want to live now and years from now. Whether you're paying down debt, saving for college, or planning for retirement, we have an eye on your bigger picture. Get access to our financial expertise at harlem.nm.com. The Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company, headquartered in Milwaukee, Wisconsin.